The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. LSU wins the College World Series in a very fun fashion. The Angels lay an absolute whooping to the Rockies, yet still lose the series somehow. And a shot putter runs hurdles to save her team from a DQ. And much more today on Rising to the Occasion. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rise Me to the Occasion. We're very excited to be back. We were planning to be on yesterday, but uh, it didn't really work out, plus the College World Series was going on, so it was just better for us to be off air and go and enjoy that. Uh, I, you know, I was, I've been out of town and all that, kind of traveling and stuff, so I wasn't able to be on in time anyways, so it all worked out pretty well. We were able to watch a phenomenal series end up, and we're going to talk about that much more today, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in all of my co-hosts. The first time all four of us have been together for a little while. Uh, I mean, Britton, first off, we'll start with you. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm home. It's still light out, so doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I know how that feeling goes. Uh, Jeremy, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. It, it feels weird having all four of us on because it has been a minute since all four of us have been on, but it feels, feels good to have everybody back on and ready to talk some sports to y'all guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Blake, what's what's going on down there in Alabama, man? Uh, it, it's hot as hell. I'll be honest with you guys, but uh, <laughs> we're making it, and uh, and I'm ready to talk some sports with you guys. Heck yeah, yeah. It's always exciting to get all the crew on here. Uh, I know there's so many times where we can't kind of get all four of us on, but it's a lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable when we can all kind of sit back, kick back, and just relax and have some fun watching, you know, you know, I guess talking, talking about some sports, but uh, let's start off with the college world series. I think that's the, the biggest news right now. The most recent news that we're going to talk about uh, LSU going out there. And, you know, I, I know I kind of picked LSU we watched game two and it was like, man, what the heck is going on here? Uh, and it just seemed like LSU completely embarrassed themselves. And I, I'm, I think I tweeted about it, uh, you know, something about how, even if LSU wins, this is totally embarrassing. But then Florida comes out and embarrasses themselves so bad that everyone just kind of forgot about how bad LSU was in game two. And it just turned right around. So LSU wins, what was it, 18-4, to four, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, 18-4, to four, absolutely demolished. Uh, so, I mean, it was just crazy to see how how big these the, – the, really these two games – uh, Blake, I think you're you're probably the the baseball guy. If we got to pick one out of the out of the group, uh, kind of give us your mm -hmm. thoughts. I know you were you were actually watching it with the Florida fan too. So, yeah, uh, you know Wyatt Lankford come out uh, early on Thatcher Hurd from LSU, and and Thatcher Hurd had he had had an up and down year for the Tigers, right? And uh, and Jay Johnson coming from Arizona in his second year at LSU, uh, he had all the faith in the world. Uh, that Thatcher Hurd was going to go out and absolutely dominate in game three, which is why they didn't go with Paul Skeens, right? But Thatcher Hurd made a mistake. Wyatt Lankford hits it a mile. Florida goes up two to nothing. But you knew uh, two runs wasn't going to beat this LSU team. And you, you kind of had the feeling they weren't going to get embarrassed back-to-back uh, -back nights. Uh, and then Florida went up two nothing, and Cags, uh, Jack Caglione, 
uh, a lot of a lot of Florida fans compare him to their Shohei, right? Uh, he plays first base, hit 33 home runs on the year, uh, and also pitches for Florida. So uh, he's their game three guy, and they relied on him all year, and he just couldn't throw strikes. And Florida hit him a little – I mean, excuse me, LSU hit him a little bit. Uh, they loaded the bases. Cag struggled. He couldn't throw strikes, couldn't find the zone, walked a couple guys. And uh, once LSU got the lead, man, the route was on. Uh, and, you know, tip your cap to LSU and guys like Dylan Cruz, the leader of that team out there in center field and who is going to be uh, a high draft pick here in two weeks uh, in the middle of July. So, uh, you know, they got absolutely embarrassed in game two. And they come out in game three, and they washed it all away, completely forgot about it. And they won this series, guys. I know the last time I was on, you asked me who was probably uh, the favorite to win it. And I said, well, if Paul Skeens can't pitch, I would put my money on Florida. Uh, but you got Ty Floyd. He come out in game one and had 17 Ks. Uh, that was probably the biggest moment in his life, in his career. Uh, so he really saved LSU, and I think what Ty Floyd did was absolutely uh, phenomenal, and it will go down in Omaha history. Uh, but this LSU team not having Skeens, man, it was just it showed how great of a baseball team they truly were. Uh, and and you saw the ovation last night with Skeens; he started walking out to the bullpen. And you knew when LSU got up 6-2, to two, if Florida was going to have any chance, they were going to have to come back quick. Because if it got any any sort of ball game late, Paul Skeens was coming in on three days rest. Uh, but hell of a year for, for LSU. They started the season preseason number one. Uh, they, they hit a struggle at Auburn. And they got beat late in the year. Then they they lost a series to Mississippi State, a team who didn't even make the SEC tournament. Uh, and then they got things back on track, and they had one hell of a run in the NCAA tournament. And they're the greatest college baseball program of all time. They are the standard. They are everything. And that was their seventh national championship last night. And I'm telling you, they're not going to slow down because they're absolutely killing the transfer portal. And any kid from the South, Southeast, wants to play college baseball at Louisiana State University. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you summed up the whole game pretty well. But, Britton, you know, it was just kind of crazy, like I mentioned, you know, just to see kind of first game, uh, very, very tight, very contested. Second game, blew out one way. Uh, third game, blow out the next. Uh, of course, we got to give a shout out to LSU for winning it at all. But what stood out to you in this game? Yeah, I think it's really the the team in it of itself is you know to come away from a, a game like the second game where you get beat like that. Um, that's the definition right there of a championship caliber team. Um, I mean, baseball is a little different than other sports like football. You know, most of the time you're going to have a, a team that wins a national championship undefeated, right? I mean, there's so many games in baseball. It's it's not going to happen. Um, but for a team like LSU to come out after a horrendous game against Florida in the second game, I mean, completely erased all of that. Nobody even cares about that anymore. Uh, they came out, found a way to win, and, and, I mean, hats off to them. And they won in fashion too. So that's uh, that's really what stands out to me is, is the fact that that's what makes a national championship caliber team is to be able to come away and learn the, from the mistakes and move on. The teams that mm -hmm. aren't able to move on are the teams that don't win. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and what's crazy with LSU too is that you know they they didn't have an easy journey going into this uh, this matchup. No. You know, they they went through a, a tough line of mat, you know, of, of uh, different games they had to go through. Starting off, I think, with Tennessee in their very first game of the of the series, uh, and you know, and then going through and leading up to where you know they had to end up coming back from the elimination bracket, going up against Wake Forest, arguably one of the the, the toughest matchups uh you know for lsu the entire uh the entire time probably one of the most exciting games to watch uh and, and for the overall series there um but jeremy i mean it was a tough road for lsu to get where they were for them to come out on top it's it's a truly an amazing story oh yeah absolutely i mean after watching last night's game they truly they truly showed that they deserve to get the seventh championship and i mean as you mentioned they did not have the easiest road in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, going back to last night's game, like LSU, like whether it was on the mound or at the in the batter's box, they took it like a champion. I've lost track. Florida just they just didn't look right, or in my opinion, they didn't look really good. Like mm-hmm. I lost track. I think Blake, you can probably guess this. How many pitch? I mean, how many um, LSU guys got hit from the pitcher? At least four or five. Yeah, it was a ton, man. Uh, Florida just – they ran out of arms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every every chance LSU got to shoot in the gap, they were they were honestly hitting their, hitting their march and shooting in the gap. And whether it was shooting the gaps or going yard or whatever the situation is, LSU, they, they definitely deserve this national championship, and it does look good in seven. Well, you know what? Maybe we should take that that title of the baseball guy away from Blake, just because you know not only did he pick Florida, but he picked Florida because of their pitchers, and he just now said it yeah. himself. You know, they ran out of arms. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was shocking to see, though. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. It was it was really shocking to see Florida kind of get to that point. Well, I, yeah. guys, I'll be honest with you that that's why I think the job that Ty Floyd did in Game One. I mean. Look, I know they got waxed in game two uh, and and they blew them out in game three, but if Ty Floyd doesn't have that performance in game one with 17 Ks and holding Florida's lineup down, uh, Florida probably wins this series. And uh, I know Beloso, uh, the Creole Bambino, I know he had a big swing in game one uh, to win it for LSU, but man, the performance that Ty had. And and look, it's been an up-and-down year for LSU's pitching, right? That was their one question mark coming in. Everybody was like, man, after Skeens, what do they have? You know, is their bullpen going to be right? You know, Gavin Guidry, a true freshman, he stepped up. Uh, he ended up closing it out last night for them. Uh, you know, you just didn't know it was a question mark. And I figured with LSU having to two-scoop uh, Wake Forest and having to waste skeins in that position that Florida was just uh, they were just set up and, and Florida didn't have to play the the teams that LSU had to play right like Florida yeah. got there you know, they beat Virginia and then uh, Oral Roberts and then TCU so that isn't n- nowhere near having to beat Tennessee twice and Wake Forest twice so yeah. uh, tip your cap to this LSU run man like what they did is incredible, and I, I, I had Mikey Matuk on on my show uh, at the beginning of the year, and he was on the 09 team, the last team to win it for LSU, and he said that 
this team was going to win the national championship and they could possibly be the greatest LSU team of all time. So hopefully I can get Mikey back on my show and we can discuss whose team was better, his 09 team or this 2023 team. Man, that's tough. You know, that's, to to your point about the pitching, pitching is weird in, in baseball. And I say that because, you know, like a quarterback in football, right? Like the depth chart doesn't matter near as much as, as having multiple pitchers that can close out a game. You know, mm-hmm. no matter if you're, you're the starting pitcher or the closeout pitcher, like the importance of pitchers is huge in, in baseball in general. Um, and, and you're seeing this a lot, especially, you know, down the stretch here with the LSU Florida team. You know, if you have a backup quarterback in, it's manageable, you know, sure. But in baseball, you've got so many guys that are – you can't pitch, you know, three or four days in a row. You're not you're not doing that, uh, especially mm-hmm. when some of these guys are throwing 80-plus balls. So to have, you know, the depth at that position is super important and uh, definitely showed in this series. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what makes the, the, just the game of baseball in general so tough too, especially for coaches, uh, you know, for the coaching staff, whoever whoever's in charge of, of who's on the field at all times, what's the batting order, because – when you're playing this much, especially when it gets to the MLB, uh, I mean, there's you can't put certain guys in a certain position every every night, you know, day, you know, night in, night out, and especially when it comes to to being a pitcher, you can't put them in the in the mound every night. So, you know, whenever it comes down to a series like this, uh, it, it was a big question: Is LSU going to have the star pitcher to be able to put in the game or not? And it really didn't look like they were going to be able to because of the way that the games were going to be lined up uh, and it, it ultimately paid out for him. You know, it, it worked. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it, it's definitely part of the game that makes it so tough. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, we were, I watched we were, Nebraska and that's, that's been my biggest frustration this year with Nebraska is that I didn't feel like, I felt like we had the team to definitely make the college world series. We should have been in it. Should have, should have won the big 10 with, with our, our players. But we didn't have the pitching. We had, I think, one pitcher that was pretty consistent all year long. But, again, you can't pitch the guy night in and night out. And it showed when Nebraska can go off and win a series against all these Big Ten schools and you just knock all these all these teams out. But then they go and play Creighton and they get beat. They go and play small schools throughout the middle of the week and get beat because it's pitching. Pitching is what's killed them all year. So – I was I was excited to see LSU find a way to you know have some consistent pitching last night and, and pull away with a win. Yeah, we we were talking about the the Jello shot challenge too. Another aspect of LSU just it, it's insane and it, it's really fun when you can have a fan base that's that excited. You know, they're they're going out there, they're partying hard because they're so uh, emphatic about their team. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the latest numbers. Did you guys see see what LSU racked it up to be? Yeah. Sixty-eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight. Is that is that the the official number? That was as of six hours ago. So yeah. okay, yeah, that's that's probably more official than the one that I had. Still shots right now. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, they probably are. I mean, uh, I I saw something where it was like talking. It was kind of it was a joke a little bit, but it was talking about how. Uh, LSU fans are so crazy that they drank uh, a portion of Nashville out of liquor. Uh, that there's they a, did. Yeah, there's a Marriott somewhere. Yeah, they I really said it was that was that in Atlanta alcohol. Yeah, in Atlanta, uh, they ran out of uh, alcohol, and then uh, you know over in, in uh, Omaha, they're they're drinking all the Jello shots and everything, and it's it's just crazy. 
uh, to see their their fan base. And it's exciting for LSU too because they just now went through this excitement a few years back with their football team. Uh, you know, being able to, being able to kind of be be hyped up, and their football team just came back. Basically, I mean, we mm-hmm. we don't know for sure, but this looks like their their football team's back, and it feels like they're back. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're an LSU fan, they're back. Um, mm-hmm. But then you also got to see this with with the the women's basketball team uh, go out there and dominate the way that they did and win a natty. Uh, and now you get your 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 baseball team completely on fire all season long. Uh, there was very few games where they didn't show up. Uh, and ultimately they showed up when it really mattered the most, when it's winner take all. Uh, and so a really exciting time for them. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really cool to, to see this for, for the LSU fans. Um, Pretty but, sure LSU is keeping Jello in business. <laughs> yeah, they hitting up. What, uh, Blake what's was the like, money part for Jello Festival too? What was that? For all the money that they raised out of Jello shots, where does it, does it go to the, does it go to a foundation? Does it go anywhere, or where does it go? Yeah, yeah. So, like two thirds of it goes to uh, food banks and charities uh, for each uh, each city that the eight teams are in. Uh, the owner of Rocco's gives it to uh, charities and food banks. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's yep. really cool. I mean, I think that's the most exciting part about the whole Jello Shot Challenge too. Is just that you know that it's. Yeah. You you know that ultimately the money is going to to a good cause, uh, even if even if maybe it's getting people blackout drunk, which maybe we shouldn't cheer on, but you know why not? We'll not one LSU fan. We we'll have to meet up next year not, do some jello shots. Not one LSU fan got drunk. I can guarantee you that. No. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot more it was just another day. <laughs> no, I mean it was it, it was a lot of fun throughout the throughout the season. Uh, I mean. It's really cool, and you know, we were just now talking about pitchers and how much the pitchers really mattered. Uh, and one team that doesn't have to worry about their pitcher showing up every night is the Angels. Uh, when we jump over to the MLB and talk about the Angels, Shohei Otani, absolutely uh, phenomenal player. Uh, he is always on fire, night in, night out, and it definitely showed up. I believe this was last Saturday. Now I know we're backing up a little bit to get back to it, but this is the first time we've been able to talk about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys were able to see this game or at least part of it. Uh, I actually, I think this was one of the games. It was just, a, it was the, the late night game. So I turned it on and quickly turned it off just because of how boring it got uh, really quick. But the Angels end up whooping the Rockies 25 to 1. Uh, the third inning, they had 13 runs. Uh, and then another eight runs in the fourth inning. Uh, so, I mean, just completely killing them. And, and it just didn't seem like there was ever uh, a chance for the Rockies to win. Yet the disappointing part about this entire series against the Rockies is that the Angels still lose the series overall. So you, you start off, you, you lose to the Rockies 7-4, uh, to four, then you win 25-1, to one, and then you go on the next night to lose 4-3. to three. Uh, I mean, it, it was such a roller coaster, and I think a lot of that too is maybe them uh, kind of reserving some of these guys that just now spent you know 25 runs worth of energy the night before, um, but just... A phenomenal showing. Uh, I mean, Britain. We'll start off with you. I mean, have you ever seen an MLB team get dominated this way? <laughs> I have a few times, but it's uh, it's not often that it happens for sure. I did not watch this game. I don't watch a lot of MLB. Don't really care to. Uh, I'd much rather watch college. Um, I'd rather watch college anything over pro. I definitely watch. You know, like my hockey, and I do pay attention to the NBA. Um, but yeah, I've, since the Cubs have you know 
kind of tarnished their name here recently. I've been on strike with the MLB, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's I, I, I feel like because of this year, uh, I've, I've been getting back into it, and that's when I'm, I keep on trying to click on whenever I can. I, I feel like trying to get back with the Red Sox, it sucks because I feel like they're always on during the day when I'm working. Uh, I feel like I rarely get a nighttime game with them, but uh, I, I'm still able to kind of click back and see the highlights. But, I mean, 25 runs, Jeremy, I mean, it's 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 a lot. Uh, I mean, a, a big part of this goes to show, hey, too, I mean, for just the overall success of the team. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to put up video game numbers like that on a video game, but once you do that in reality, like, holy crap, 25 to 1, that's, that's a that's a long, long game to soak in for the Rockies. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in that, in that situation getting pounded 25 to 1. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch it. As you mentioned, it was a late game, then it – I watched the highlights of it. I watched probably 30 seconds of it. Then I flipped to something else just because I figured that obviously I don't know exactly the stats for Shohei Otani or just for the game in general, but I'm sure Otani probably has something to deal with it if I had to guess. Yeah. Otani only had, had one of those, I believe, but I mean, he's, he's still, I I don't know. I just, I, 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 I don't think I've ever really paid attention to Shohei Otani before this year. Uh, and and I think that's why he stands out to me so much more now. Um, I know a few few maybe a couple months back, you know, we were talking about his extension, you know, his his contract and what what the numbers are to that. And I mean, it's just he he deserves it. I mean, he's he's doing something that is unheard of. Uh, but I mean, uh, Blake, I mean, it was it was almost like Oprah Winfrey was out on that field. Just everyone gets a home run. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like it was just never ending, uh, especially in that third third inning. Guys, we were watching the College World Series and we looked over and we were like, it's 13 to nothing. Then we looked back and it was 21 to nothing. And then we looked back and it was like 24 to one or something like that. And we were like, my goodness. Uh, But I'll be honest here. The Angels are the most inconsistent, uh, inconsistent team in the in the MLB. I mean, uh, Shohei and Trout, uh, they're phenomenal talents. They're two of the greatest to ever play baseball, right? But you're never going to win a World Series in Anaheim. It's just not going to happen. And I think Shohei's out of there. I think he needs to get out of there to, you know, better his career uh, and get into the playoffs. I think Mike Trout should have left when he had the opportunity. He chose to listen to management and stay. Uh, I think he made a mistake. But if I'm Shohei, I'm taking my talents elsewhere, uh, whether it's New York, uh, L.A., uh, San Diego, whatever. Chicago. Uh, I, I doubt he goes to Chicago. It uh, <laughs> uh, just Britain, I don't shot. know. <laughs> the White Sox. Oh God, that's worse. I don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> first off, I don't know. Like, is that even worse? Nah, he ain't going. Look, Shohei's not going anywhere. Uh, He's either going. He's going either coast, coast, uh, east coast, west coast. It's it's either going to be like Atlanta. Uh, I know some people think that's like a joke, but it's really not. Uh, the Braves have the money because of all the the short 
contracts they've got with with Ozzy and Acuna and all that. Uh, but I think he could go to the Yankees. I think he could go to Boston. Um, I think uh, the Dodgers are in play. Um, but Anaheim's just not it, man. They're not it. The the Angels are they're a losing franchise, and they're just uh, they're really going to sit there and waste his career, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's so it, it's so rare to see a two way player, uh, you know, much at all, let alone do it at the level that he does, uh, because he's he's constantly mm-hmm. throwing ninety five to hundred miles an hour, and being able to go at bat and hit dingers the way that he can, and just just. I mean, he's he's so athletic, and the thing too that I was thinking about today with Shohei is like, you know, a lot a lot of times for pitchers you're worried about their their shoulder getting injured from throwing, but with him at bat, man, like you have to worry about him getting hit by the ball too. You have to worry about yep. him swinging and, and hurting himself swinging so hard, uh, or running bases. So I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of extra risk that goes into his play the way that he does it. And and he does all of it at hundred and fifty percent. Josh, it's yeah. it's uh, he's just a different dude, man. He he is one of the greatest I've ever seen, and uh, I just want him to get out of the Anaheim, man. Like I, I just do not make the same mistake Trout made uh, because you're just you're wasting your career. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, do you guys know? What the highest recorded uh, score in baseball ever was? I do not. Can you can you guys guess? Wasn't it like twenty to twenty three or something. You're pretty close. It was twenty six to twenty three. Do you know? Do you guys know the teams that were involved? Mm-hmm. Rangers and Astros. I want to go with the Angels and New York. No, Britton, I thought maybe you would guess because it's the Chicago Cubs versus the Philadelphia really? Phillies. This is back in 1922, wow. so a little wow. bit before our time. Closer, closer to Blake's time than any of the rest of us. But yeah, you know that's you know it's it's a ways Man. back. So, <laughs> but uh, you know we it was. I mean, it's it's crazy to see that that high of a number in any game. You know, like it, it, what what amazes me is that we had the Angels. Uh, game and go so high and then we also had uh, Florida whoop up you know by 20 points whoop up on LSU and then the next night uh, you know another 18 piece by LSU I mean all three of these so so close together where you you don't really see a whole lot of double digits in baseball uh, let alone th- this high of, of, of scoring I mean it's it, it's definitely making it interesting I think it, it makes the game of, of baseball fun when you have these thrown in there here and there uh, I don't want it to, to be, become too much of a repeat but it's fun to have them sprinkled in there. I'm just so glad they saw the shot the pitching clock. Yeah. yeah that I hated clock. it at first. I'm not going to lie. I hated it at first. But I, it's grown on me. It's grown. Um, you know, let, let's go ahead and jump over uh, to the Travelers Championship. The PGA went on this past weekend. We haven't been able to touch on that yet. Britton and I talked a little bit about it. You know, we were looking at some of the leaders and – who could end up end up winning it all? Uh, and it just seemed like there was so many guys still in contention, and it was going into Sunday. You know, it came down to Sunday, and really anybody had a shot. Uh, and what was crazy is Keegan, Keegan Bradley, I think, hit the last four four holes. He didn't play very good, 
and he still won by three three shots. Uh, so a huge win for him. Uh, it, it's it's been fun to hear some of these guys winning. Uh, we had uh, let's see, it was uh, Wyndham Clark uh, the the last tournament. We had Brooks Kepka kind of come back from his little injury and make a little run, and then you know now we're having Keegan Bradley. So really, the last two are, are guys that you you wouldn't have really guessed, uh, and I think that makes it fun for golf. Uh, makes it a lot a really exciting. Britain, I think you guessed thirteen under to be to be the the number. I guess twenty one. We were both wrong. It was even lower, uh, lower than that. Yeah, he ended up end up winning with uh, twenty three under par. Uh, Britain, I mean, first I'll start off with you. And you and I have, have golfed a lot and never never reached anywhere close to these numbers uh, that, that that Keegan Bradley or really any of the top 15, 20 guys uh, are putting up. I mean, it was it was a really fun weekend of golf. Oh, it was it was a blast, man. I had so much fun watching it, uh, especially Sunday when it kind of thought maybe it was going to come down to the wire. It didn't really end up that way. Keegan Bradley kind of ran the show the, the whole day. Um, you know, some of the guys, Ricky Fowler, I thought Matt had a chance before Sunday. Uh, you come out and shoot a 60 after that. And, and then Sunday, I mean, he didn't play bad, but you're not going to catch Keegan Bradley. Uh, no. Like you mentioned, I, mean, I remember hole 18 – Keegan Bradley hit a shot that really yeah, was a pretty decent shot, but he still had a chip up from the green there, and you could see him just throwing his hands up. It was over. I mean, he knew it. Uh, he he played phenomenal. You know, Keegan Bradley when he when he first came in, I believe he actually won his first year that he came in and, and won right away, and then he kind of just faded out. Haven't really heard much from him, and uh, for him to come back and make make a name for himself here in the Travelers uh, Championship was pretty cool. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to kind of see some of the other guys in, in the top 10, like Rory McRoy, uh, kind of trying to try to bounce up there. But again, I mean, Keegan Bradley played so well Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and by the time it was Sunday, it was, uh, it was really his to lose all day long. And he, he didn't really let off the gas. Like you said, it, you know, about whole, maybe 15 or 16, he had a couple shots that were, you know, I think he, I don't, I don't think he even bogeyed him though. I think he still ended up with pars, but I think he had a couple birdie opportunities he missed, but he was in the driver's seat the whole time. Um, hit some excellent balls, found the fairway. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a miracle. Uh, it's kind of, kind of interesting to me to see how many times the PGA players are missing the fairway, but they can still score great. Yeah, you know, these are mm-hmm. these, these are pros. Um, anytime I'm on the fairway, I think, man, I've got a really good shot here. Um, doesn't matter for these guys, but Keegan Bradley stayed on the fairway, hit some good shots, came up clutch, and by by the beginning of Sunday, it was it was all his to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for anyone who who is listening or watching that that hasn't played golf, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to find an appreciation for for the game, uh, and and how great these guys are at golf. I mean, Jeremy, you and I, we, we go out there and we get frustrated every time that we play. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And for, for Keegan Bradley though, he ends, ends the third round with only two under, but just completely, completely takes the lead and, and shoots lights out. Um, but what stood out to you, uh, this weekend in the, in the travelers championship? Like, Britain said the best, like if you miss the fairway just slightly and hit it off in the rough and, how how great they are to adapting to get it back onto the fairway, or even sometimes in certain situations, just landing it just shortly on the green. Like 
if I were to do that, I don't know what the heck I'd be doing. Like I'd I'd be mulliganing it probably. But that or I don't even know what the heck if if it came down to me, I would have just gave up. But um like looking at the overall looking at the overall tournament, like you mentioned Britain just uh Bradley just laid it all out, then he was just lights out. Then um Roy McIlroy, Roy McElroy obviously five or seventh, I think he had um I think maybe seventeen or eighteen under. But um it was I always like I've always liked Roy McElroy. Then I mean, obviously he's not gonna win everything, but I mean these tournaments you can't judge by anything really. Anybody can go out and have a fantastic game or anybody can go out and have the worst game of their career. But I mean at the end of the day it just comes down to being strong, just staying staying focused, get your mind right, then it it goes to show you then twenty million dollars is a lot of money for this for this championship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, you know, if Ricky Fowler can finally find find you know, if Ricky Fowler can finally find some consistency day in and day out instead of shooting, you know, seventy and then turning around and shooting sixty, God he's playing so well mm-hmm. and the fans would just go crazy there. I mean, they would just absolutely go crazy anywhere he's playing. If Ricky Fowler can just put, you know, four days together, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, even look at Justin Thomas; he's the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for Ricky, it's it's yeah. really been that way too, where he's just so inconsistent uh, from day to day. It's not it's not that his round is inconsistent because he'll have a very consistent round. If he starts off the day hot. You know Ricky's going to end it hot if he if he starts the day slow. You know it's going to be slow. It's just from one day to the next, um, and and I think that's why Keegan Bradley was able to win this weekend, just being able to stay in the lead the whole time. Um, but Blake, I mean, we're talking a little bit about Ricky and about uh, Rory. I mean, I want to jump over to Rory first. Uh, Rory, I mean, it just seems like the putts are just not there, and and he was really in it on Sunday. He was one of those guys that was definitely in it but he just can't make the putts drop in the hole. I mean, do you ever see Rory making it out of this slump and finally finally pushing it to the top to win one? Oh, man, that's that's tough because I, I feel like he's so close right now. Uh, but like you said, his short game has got to get better. We know he can drive the piss out of the ball. Uh, we know he can get it to the green. But that is what that is what wins and loses you tournaments is your putting. If you can't putt, you're not going to win, period. You can't be three-putting. You can't go back like last weekend and he missed a little gimme uh, two-footer that he just walked up over and and hit it and it just spun out and he was looked shocked like, come on, man, lock in, focus. Uh, Be be one of the greatest golfers that that you are and we, we know you're capable of. Lock in, find it. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, fellas. I didn't watch not a single shot of this tournament right, because I was I was playing golf, all right, and then I was in the pool after golf. And then I was eating crawfish, all right. We were drinking beers, all right, and we were watching LSU in Florida in the College World Series, all right. So uh, that down here. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a party down here. Like when the when the College World Series is on, man, uh, like nothing else has your attention like that, bro. And and Josh, I always say you're gonna find out uh, next year when you guys make the trip to the Southeastern Conference, man. It is it, it is just a huge party. But 
you know, Rory, man, he's just uh, – I think he's got a lot of pressure on him. I'll be honest with you. I think he's got a lot of pressure on him because I think he's in a he's in a territory right now where he feels a lot of hate on his name. And guys are not afraid to show it right now. And I just I feel like there's a ton of pressure on Rory. Uh, but I'll stick with Rory, and I've told you guys why I stick with Rory. And, uh, you know, I know a bunch of people. Uh, there's dudes in my friend group that they can't stand him. They think he's a sellout. And they think he's trash and everything like, oh, who wouldn't take eight hundred million dollars? And, you know, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, you know, Britain t- brought up uh, Ricky and he finally stopped making Hulu commercials and started getting serious about golf. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, he, he cut the mullet and the hair and he cleaned it all up and he, he started taking his game serious and uh, he, he looks like he kind of found the driver a little bit. Uh, so. Look, this was a guy that was about to be kicked off tour in Ricky Fowler. Like They were about to take his tour card. They were like, hey, you're terrible. Uh, and he got it together. So I would love to see him, like Britton said, put four days together and just uh, maximize that talent and that potential that we know he has. Because I think, that, like Britton said, it would grow the game, man. People would get so interested, especially the women out there. Boy, they, they love that Ricky Fowler. Uh, so, you know, I, I think golf's in a good spot right now, even though the live and the PGA thing, uh, I hated that and everything that went down with it. But just the talent in the sport uh, is electrifying right now. Yeah. And, and I want to be clear, when I'm talking about Ricky Fowler putting four days together, I'm not saying that by any means that he's not focused, that he's not – that he's playing yeah. bad on one day. But he's playing mm-hmm. extremely, extremely well one or two of those days. Where if yeah. he can just find find a way to go under par, to turn that 70 into a 68 one day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, just under par one day to, to give yourself a little more cushion. And he, he's right there, and I, I can mm-hmm. I can agree with Blake. I can tell, you know, the focus is there for Ricky Fowler right now. He's yep. locked in. He's fixed things. His drivers have been a big issue uh, in, in the recent times. You know, finding the fairway consistently, hitting a good drive. Mm-hmm. He's fixed that. He's playing much much better. He just needs to 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 eliminate that one day where he shoots par or maybe one over par. Eliminate just you know those small mistakes, and he's there. Um, and like you said, I do. I think that would help continue to grow golf too. Um, Ricky Fowler's a, a fan favorite. I mean, he always has been, and he always will be. Um, so to see him yep. put four days together would just be awesome. Um, and to your point about you know Rory, I think I think there is a lot of pressure on him, and I think you know aside from the whole live stuff, and aside from you know all the pressure with you know maybe people bad-mouthing him and people not liking him. There are a lot of other mm-hmm. guys that are starting to step up that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. So that adds more yeah. pressure and more stuff on this plate that you don't, you're not coming to, you know, Rory's used to coming into the weekend saying, or into the week saying, all right, I got, you know, these five guys I got to worry about. Now you got about 30 guys to worry about because there's several other guys that you've never even heard their name that are, that are coming out and shooting good, good rounds. So, you know, that adds the pressure too. And I'll be honest with you, boys, I don't really care for Rory. Never have. Um, but 
nonetheless, I think he's good for golf. I think uh, him winning some some uh, tournaments is good for golf. So um, I'm all for it, and uh, I really do. I hope I, I do think that in the next shortly in the short time, I think we start to see Rory maybe change his potting s- style somehow mm-hmm. with something that's not working because his potting was like it's hard to watch. I'm like some of those, I'm like. You look like me out there, dude. Yeah. Like, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah, and, and to be clear, too, I mean, I, I think for any of these guys, whenever they make it up in that top 15, you know, where they're, where they're making money, you know, making good money off of these, I, I, I don't mean to cut them down in a way that is saying that they're a failure because they're still shooting lights out. Oh, yeah. I mean, every single one of these guys is golfing better than – I'll ever golf. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I do, I do agree with you guys. I think the, the, the world of golf is in a really good place right now. I think there's a lot of good things going into golf, but, uh, before we move on, uh, I, we do need to mention one of our sponsors, uh, and a great sponsor at that. And that is SeatGeek. Uh, SeatGeek is an amazing sponsor. It's an amazing way to get your tickets. You can go check out SeatGeek. SeatGeek has the best way to find t- to find any kind of tickets to any kind of event, whether it be a sporting event. Maybe you want to go watch a basketball game or a football game, make it down to see a baseball game, whatever the case may be. They've got your tickets. Maybe you're going to go see a concert, uh, anything like that, any kind of event, you can check out SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and check it out. One of my favorite things about SeatGeek is that you can go through, you can see exactly where you're going to sit, you know exactly what row you're going to be in, and you can also search around for all the good deals because if it's green, you know it's a great deal. If it's yellow, it's just a a mediocre uh, deal. If it's red, it's not as good of a deal. So you know when you're getting that good deal. It's very easy to find your tickets. It's easy to find the seat. It's easy to find where you want to sit in the stadium or wherever you're going to. Uh, and like I said, just the, the transparency, because you don't get that on a lot of these big ticket sites nowadays where, uh, you know, you, you go and you, you kind of buy your ticket without knowing exactly where you're sitting, what row and seat, where SeatGeek will tell you all of that right up front. It's an amazing app. It's an amazing website to go and check out for all of your tickets, whatever kind of event you're going to. You can go to SeatGeek.com or use the, the app and use code R2TO on your first purchase for $20 off. Uh, that can definitely take care of a good chunk of your ticket prices depending on what you're going to. So again, use code R2TO for $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Uh, again, amazing, amazing sponsor, but amazing way to get all of your tickets wherever you're going. But uh, guys, let's get over to the story that I'm sure all of you guys are going to kind of kind of tease me for even bringing, bringing this this story up into the, the lineup. But yeah, this uh, was... What's that? <laughs> this was... This was an odd choice. <laughs> it was an odd choice, but I saw the story, and I think what makes it so fun. Uh, so, kind of given the, the storyline to to what what went on here, there's a Belgium shot putter uh, and a hammer thrower, uh, and I'm not even going to try to say her name. Uh, something I, I think the first name is Julian, um, but she steps out and she ran a hundred meter hurdle, uh, and she did this at the European Championships, and ultimately to save her team from getting a disqualification, uh, and what was kind of amazing with this is that she's, uh, you know, a much bigger girl than the rest of the girls running running this race. Uh, she went out there and fully anticipated losing this race. She didn't care, but she was going to do whatever she could to make sure that her team didn't get the disqualification and that they didn't get negative points. Uh, and she ends up earning two points out of this race. 
which could be really crucial. I know two points isn't isn't a whole lot, especially if you know how these events these events happen. But that two points, it's much better than zero or negative points. Uh, and the reason why it could be so crucial is that the, the bottom three countries are going to be relegated from D1. Uh, so what she did for her team, knowing that that's not her position, that's not her her uh, race or anything like that to be stepping into, uh, she stepped out there and gave it a shot anyways. I was able to get the, the video up so everybody can watch it. But uh, here here she is. Again, she's a shot putter and a hammer thrower out there running this this 100-meter yard, uh, you know, 100-meter hurdle race uh, with a bunch of girls who are trained in this. But uh, a lot of fun to watch. Look at that one point for Belgium quest to stay in this division. One woman that's really going the extra mile to help her team. Jodine Maliga Bumquo of Belgium there in lane two. She came seventh in the shot put yesterday and uh, she put on her own Instagram today hashtag this is not a joke. I am going to run <laughs> the 100 meter hurdles for my team. Blake I could see you dying laughing over there. <laughs> He's got to step away to go get some water or something. <laughs> I, mean, I would rather see Jordy put on a wig and do that. It was, <laughs> it was very funny, but at the same time, like you got to commend her because she went out there and and you know what she, she knew what the objective was. The objective was to not run over any hurdles. Uh, and she, she didn't even hurdle. What's that? No, she didn't hurdle one. No, she just stepped over them. Uh, and I, think I was waiting for her to go around them. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what was so funny about it. But at the same time, again, like I said, uh, you know, hats off to hats her off. because saving saving your your team from from a DQ, and you know that people like us are probably going to watch that and kind of laugh at you. But that's I, I'm I'm laughing at the fact of, of how you did. It. I'm laughing with you because I think she was kind of giggling too. She knew she looked goofy, um, but just hats off to her for going out there and doing that anyways for her team. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, um, but I mean, if if you guys want a, another another stat to kind of go along with what she did, uh, first of all, she didn't knock an, knock over any hurdles, which I thought was a, a good thing because that's not easy. I mean, she was able to step over them, so maybe it's easier than a, than it looks, maybe. But uh, she didn't knock over oh. any, any, any hurdles, but she ran it. Uh, so this is a hundred meters and thirty two point eight one seconds. <laughs> That's 19 seconds slower than the winning, uh, the winning hurler from Spain. <laughs> so it, the rest of them were down there waiting for about you know 15 to 19 seconds, waiting for her to finish finish up and get down there to the finish line. Um, but I mean, it's still still really cool uh, to see her go in because she knew what was at stake for her team. Good for her. Good <laughs> for her, but man. Jeremy, right. I'm going to buy you a wig, and I want to see if you can beat that time. Like, you all good over there? Hey, joke's on you, Bryn. I actually did <laughs> yeah. run hurdles in one event during high school track. Blake had to take a smoke break. Look, uh, I just want to make it clear. Like, I, was, I wasn't laughing at her or whatever. It was just like, uh, like they're all, ex you know, they're all experienced runners and everything, right? You know, like, they're – they do that and just the fact that she stepped in there um and like you know she was just out of her league yeah uh and i think that's what got me is like when they come off the block uh she <laughs> she just like she she didn't know what to do for real you know? and, like, <laughs> yeah like she didn't know what to do so uh that's that's what kind of got me it wasn't anything to do with like her you know yeah. it was just uh 
she was just out of her comfort zone, but she did it. So uh, I am down for her stepping in and doing that. I think it was just oh, yeah. uh, a, a fascinating thing uh, to happen. And, and that, that was huge on her. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm I'm not laughing at at her or anything. I was just laughing at uh, them just absolutely running off and leaving her uh, is what got me. So yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest. I was kind of laughing. I was kind of laughing at her, um, but at the same time, <laughs> if I put my myself in her position, it'd be like you know going against swimmers, like athletic swimmers in the Olympics. Yeah. And here I am. I'm doing a diving. I'm I'm doing a cannonball right off the bat. I'm starting with a cannonball. And these guys were already out the other end before I hit the water. I mean, I mean, Britain, Britain again, comes up spitting like, water like, out of his like, mouth like a fountain and everything, having a good time. He pulls out his floaties. <laughs> no, but Blake, you you were yeah. gone. You didn't get to hear kind of the, kind of almost the laughable part. But I think it was I, like like I, I said too. You know. It, she was laughing too at the end of it. She, you know, all the other other uh, racers kind of gathered around her, like, "Hey, good job!" You know, like that was that was pretty big of you to do, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. But the the times, uh, so it was a hundred meter hurdle race. She she didn't knock over a single hurdle. Uh, she went thirty two point eight one seconds, which is nineteen seconds slower than the the win. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the part that would have kind of got me laughing even harder would be just them sitting down there for fifteen to twenty seconds. Just turn around, watching her, waiting for her to finish up. Um, but no, like I said, too, hats off to her for you know for for doing that for your team. I mean, that, that's hard to do. I'll, I'll yeah. I mean, if if yeah, drink to that. <laughs> if we're putting that that position, I don't know. It's going to be pretty hard. Um, but guys, no, one, one topic that I know we can all be very excited about uh, is college football. I know it's early; it's not to mm-hmm. college football season yet, but we are getting closer day by day uh we're going to talk about some of the new coaches coming into the scene to step in uh and kind of what our expectations are because i think whenever you see a new coach it's easy to put high expectations and it's also it's also easy to overlook them uh and not understand what they actually have to bring to the table uh we're going to start off Britton. i know you and i were the ones kind of bringing this up and talking about this beforehand uh, let's let's start off with Matt Rule. Matt Rule going to Nebraska. Uh, I know it's been big news for for Nebraska, but we've also seen this in the past where we, we we get a coach into Nebraska and he doesn't live up to the expectations. What are your expectations for Matt Rule going into the season? This is so much different than Scott Frost, in in my opinion, and I say that for the for the sole reason that Scott Frost was an unproven head coach. I mean, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One good year at UFC or UCF, my bad, is not near the credentials that Matt Rule has. Matt Rule has gone into Temple and rebuilt a program. He went into Baylor and took a program that was probably at its lowest, well, definitely at its lowest it's ever been in its history and brought them back. Matt Rule is 100% the guy. He's the right guy at Nebraska. The stuff that he is doing right now with the recruiting, to come in for this year, go grab three guys out of the University of Georgia for the transfer portal, that's huge in and of itself. But this first year, I think he's going to have a successful year for what he can do. 
2024, 2025, 26, that's where you need to focus on. Because Matt Rule is going to rebuild the program. And I truly, truly, truly believe that. If you look at the 24 class right now, they're looking at like top 15 class. And they've got a, a guy named Carter Nelson who is committing tomorrow, Wednesday at noon. He's from Nebraska. He's down to two schools, and that's University of Georgia and Nebraska. My money is on Nebraska. Um, there's a really, really good chance he's coming to Nebraska. Um, we'll know tomorrow at noon. But um, they picked up a 24 quarterback commit after they parted ways with Dylan Riola, which I was a little, little concerned about, I suppose, at first, because obviously all the Nebraska fans wanted him, number one quarterback. But I didn't know if it was ever realistic. I mean, we're, we're competing against a bunch of other schools. Matt Rule hasn't done anything in Nebraska yet. I get that. But they bring in another 2024 quarterback who decides to commit, and he goes out and just recruits right away. He wants all the best kids to come and play with him, and a lot of these kids decided to commit. Nebraska's picking up commitment after commitment, especially in the last week. I mean, it's insane. Uh, they just picked up a running back, I believe, yesterday that was down to, I think his top schools were Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. I don't know if Georgia was in there for sure. Don't quote me on that. But I know Alabama's in there. And this is a, a running back, and he convinced to Nebraska. Now, Kurt Nelson, who would start tight end, who is between Georgia and Nebraska, was just at the College World Series with the 24 quarterback commit. So mm-hmm. that may be a telling sign, too, that they built a relationship um and he just took a, another visit to nebraska here this past weekend and all of a sudden now he's announcing that he's going to commit tomorrow <clears throat> pretty good sign so for my rule to come in and sell these kids you know they came out with this this thing it was like 24 hours is what they called it so 24 hours so 24 is our our year you know we're gonna go out and get the best kids for 24 um, and this, they started this right after the 23 class, the commitments and all that stuff. Kids are coming in. And they got some good pieces, like Malachi Coleman, who decided after the Mickey Joseph, he was not coming to Nebraska. And Matt Rule kept him. And he had offers from Ohio State, um, Colorado, and some other big schools. So he was able to get some, some good pieces from the 23. But the 24 hours, I mean, he's gone off and committed. Several, several kids have committed now. And they're, they're piling up right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely excited with his recruiting and I'm excited about what he's done in the past at other schools. I'm excited about the, the person that he is. The dude that Matt Rule is, is what excites me the most because he's a genuine guy. When, when you watch a lot of interviews from Scott Frost, they're pretty annoying to be honest. And I, and I liked Frost at first, you know, I, I thought, you know, the guy's going to come in and and really care about the program. He's going to come in, try his hardest. He's going to bring in some of the hype from the UFC. I keep saying UFC. The UCF momentum, if you want to call it that. Some of the momentum that he had uh, when he he coached Marcus Mariota at Oregon. But that didn't translate. And there's some off-field stuff, you know, that came out about Frost, whether or not that's true. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, listen, he didn't win games here. And if you looked at his his press conferences, everything was like, yeah, 
I don't know. I thought we were going to be good all week. We practiced well. We didn't come out and execute. Yeah, okay, I can let that slide. Next week, same thing. Everything was so vanilla with Frost, and you didn't get much meat from the mm-hmm. conversation. With Matt Rule, right off the bat, he comes in. He's like, hey, I already know you guys are going to ask me about this, so let's go ahead and talk about it. Yo, Matt Rule started these press conferences off like, hey, this is the stuff you guys want to know. I'm not going to talk about all this other stuff and you know, just, just talk to hear myself talk. So he's very real in conversation. He's out in the community, um, and all of his coaching staff, they're doing an unbelievable job. I saw a, uh, a clip from the wide receiver coach. It's like 24 years old. And he was talking about all the schools, the high schools that he's, that he's visited. They're diving deep into Texas, which is what Nebraska in their glory days was founded upon was these Texas kids. And uh, they're, they're, they've been to hundreds and hundreds of schools since they've been here. I mean, they have been to work since day one. So that's exciting. You didn't hear a lot of that under Frost. Certainly didn't mm-hmm. hear that under Mike Riley. So I do see things trending in the right direction with Matt Rule. I think he was the right hire. I think that he cares about the program. He cares about his job. He cares about these kids, and they know that. And for that, I'm excited about so let's go through the schedule real quick just to see what your overall expectations on this season. Uh, I'll start off with Minnesota, win or loss. Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a win. And I what say a- that solely not based upon what I know of Nebraska, but because I know what Minnesota's lost. Minnesota's lost a lot of talent. They really haven't replaced any of it. They didn't recruit well. They don't have a great class. They didn't go to the transfer portal. So I, I'm going to chalk that one up as a win, hopeful win. Do they still have their uh, running back, Ibrahim? Uh, no. Nope. No? He's gone. Yeah, I didn't know if they still had him. What about Colorado? Colorado's a tricky one for me because I know there's a lot of hype with the program, but I don't really know if they're good or if they ever will be good under him. I really don't. Maybe they Duh. will. Duh. Blake's, Blake's calling it a win. I, I think Nebraska Duh. does win. I think Nebraska's got a lot more talent this year than they did last year. I think you do need to go into a a program, especially when you had as bad of a season as as Colorado had last year. I think you need to go into a program and try to tear things down. But I feel like the way that Prime has done it, he's torn way too much down, causing way too many players to leave the facilities. I don't know how they have enough players on their roster to, to complete a team. Um, you know, and, and the way that he's he's treating some of those guys, I get it. They're losers, and, and they lost last year. But that's what your job is. Those are now your guys. You take over and make them winners. But, yeah, I, 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 I think uh, Nebraska can pull that one out. What about NIU? When? Uh, and then we've got Louisiana Tech. Stops, when it stops losing the games that they shouldn't. That's or, also another win. Yeah, Louisiana Tech win. Uh, Michigan? Loss. Okay. You're being realistic then. Uh, what about Illinois? Uh, yeah, Illinois is next. Illinois is a tricky one for me because Illinois is a, 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 a team that's starting to come back a little bit, but I think Nebraska gets a win there. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm chalking them down as a loss on that one. That's but, in Nebraska though, correct? Yeah, I think so. so. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give Nebraska the win there. Okay. And then Northwestern? Win. <laughs> uh, Purdue. Win, but I think that could be close. Yeah. Um, Michigan State. 
I think Nebraska could win that game because Michigan State's are rebuilding right now too, right? So nobody really knows what Michigan State's going to be like. Yeah, I mean, we really don't know what any of these teams are going to be like for sure, but uh, then we go to Maryland. I think Maryland's a loss. Okay. I think that yeah. they could win that game, but I think Maryland's a loss right and then now. There's, and then there's Wisconsin. Wisconsin's probably lost right now. And then I think Iowa. their defense you know, Iowa. Man, that's a hard one because. Loss. I don't know. So your expectations for Rule on his first maybe eight or nine win season then? I think eight's a reasonable with our schedule. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I think what just kind of – I think I laying out your expectations for a first-year coach is usually a good thing just because you get to kind of lay it out there, uh, see what your expectations are, if he's able to meet them or, uh, it, you know, exceed them. Uh, and if he's not meeting them, it's not always a bad thing in your first year because uh, it's not completely the program that you're trying to build yet. Uh, and like you said, I think next year is really when you start to look at that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think I see a lot of good things coming out of, out of Nebraska this year. I think Rule is is the right fit, and I think he's I really like kind of Jeff instilling Sims. a good, a good uh, mentality around there. I really like Jeff Sims, too, and I think the way that he's going to be able to run this offense, I, I like it. I love it a lot. He's got a great arm. I really do think that. Um, if you look, I, I've spent some time – here in the past month or so, going back and watching a lot of the Georgia Tech games from last year, because his numbers weren't that great, right? He ran the ball. He's a great runner. But his, his numbers through the air weren't that great. And I'll tell you right now, there were a lot of dropped passes that should have been caught a lot. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me. I'm like, Jeff Sims actually looked pretty good there. And, you know, we obviously we went to the spring game, and you could just see – the way the ball comes out of his arm, I mean, geez, he can really sling that thing. I'm excited to see what he see what he can do at Nebraska and see what he can do in this offense. And I know Satterfield's going to like to run the quarterback some. And I, I really like him leading our offense. Our offensive line is the biggest question on the offense is, is the line. Can they take, the, take a step forward? And the biggest step mm. or biggest question on defense is switching to a 3-5. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, a I, in the big cannot work. I don't know. Yeah, ultimately, I feel like Nebraska. I feel like we should expect seven uh, out of them uh, based on the schedule. You know, I think we should expect seven wins. Uh, anything above that, I feel like, is a win. Um, but Blake, yeah, let's, it's a let's, favorable schedule. What's up with that? It's a favorable schedule for his yeah. first year. Yeah, it's definitely definitely what he wants to walk into. But let's jump over mm-hmm. to another another uh, new coach, Blake. We're going to go over to your Auburn Tigers real quick. Uh, Hugh Freeze, what's what's your expectations with Hugh Freeze uh, as far as this season and, and kind of going forward? Well, I think you got uh, a head coach that is going to recruit, a head coach that is going to care about recruiting, a head coach that is going to care about the university and the football program, and you can send the guy that we had back to Idaho, and I hope it stays negative 72 degrees the entire time he's there. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just not a fan of, of that clown, and, and uh, I make that well known. 
But Hugh Freeze and the job that he has done in the transfer portal with the Auburn Tigers has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and and like Britton said, <clears throat> with Rule at Nebraska and going to the to the high schools and everything, Harson wasn't doing that, fellas. Uh, and and Hugh Freeze has come in, and we have one of the greatest high school football teams in the country here in Alabama. They're called Thompson High School. Okay, uh, they play on ESPN some during football season, uh, and they've won four straight state championships, seven A state championships. Uh, that's the highest classification in the state of Alabama, and uh, they're they're just a feeder to the University of Alabama right now because. We didn't have a coach that would go to the school and make an attempt to recruit. Uh, Harson thought he could win in the SEC with two-star and three-star guys, and that's just not what this league is built on. And let's be honest, college football has won a lot uh, on Jimmy's and Joe's. You know, I mean, I know X's and O's mean mean something. It does. But a lot of it comes down to athleticism and talent at the end of the day. Right, and you saw it firsthand in the national championship when the Georgia Bulldogs <clears throat> took on the TCU Horned Frogs. It was just it, what you saw was two and three stars playing against four and five stars. That is what you saw. And that's just the nature of the beast. But with Hugh, I'm not setting my expectations up for nine wins first year. Uh, I could see a path to eight and four. But I'm sitting at seven and five right now. I think the job that he did in the transfer portal, some people say Auburn had the number one transfer portal class. Some people say they were two. Some people say they were three. Uh, I think you upgraded at the quarterback position with Peyton Thorne. Uh, Robbie Ashford can still make plays, but Peyton Thorne standing in the pocket. Uh, I, I watched the game he had against, uh, I believe it was Iowa. And, uh, and boy, if we get that Peyton Thorne. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do some damage, but uh, I I I set it at seven and five. Hopefully eight and five with a bowl win. Uh, because I don't want to get too unrealistic, and you know I don't want to start getting on that homer talk where I just reel off. Oh, we're going nine and three or ten and two. You know I I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule. I mean, I, I I'm kind of seeing uh, for sure. I mean, you got UMass win, uh, Cal. Yeah. And then Samford, I think that's three and zero, really easy to start the start the year. Texas A and M is up for grabs. I don't think that's totally out of your reach, but I won't mark it as a win. Uh, Georgia is going to be tough. LSU is going to be tough. Ole Miss is another one that's up for grabs. Uh, you know, I feel like there's there's some of these 50-50 games. I feel like mm-hmm. Mississippi State could be a win. Vanderbilt, uh, Arkansas is another one that's kind of up for grabs. I don't really know what to expect on that one. Uh, and then mm-hmm. New Mexico State and, and then Alabama. So, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing an, an easy six wins going to a bowl game, uh, you know, ending, ending the, the year on, on, on a, a bowl game for your first season in the SEC, uh, I guess back to the SEC for Hugh Freeze. Uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's a, good, a good expectation to kind of hold for him, you know, something around, mm-hmm. around there. I, I like your, your idea of hoping for maybe a seven win, you know, because I think there, there are plenty of those up-for-grab games that he could definitely steal. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I got them starting four and a. I got them beating Texas A and M at Texas A and I'm just not a believer in that in that program. I'm not a believer in Jimbo Fisher, uh, and I honestly think his time has ran out. I, I think it's uh, with Oklahoma and Texas coming in. Now you got both big brothers coming to join you, uh, and uh, you know I hate it. You had your window, you had your opportunity to win in the SEC, and now it's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, so. Uh, I'm just not a I'm not a big fan of of 
what they have going on. Uh, I think Auburn starts 4-0. I think they lose to Georgia. I think they lose to LSU. And Ole Miss, man, look, that is the biggest toss-up to me on the schedule right now because of everything that happened with the hiring process. Hugh used to be at Ole Miss. This game is in Jordan-Hare, and it's going to be absolutely rocking, fellas. When I tell you Lane Kiffin and all the all the crap that he did uh, with uh, just kind of playing Auburn and saying, oh, I want to be the next coach, and then backing out, and and then Hugh Freeze is the next coach. And I, I think that is going to be one that is going to be uh, an instant classic. Uh, I don't trust their defense, but I also, you know, I know Auburn's going to have a great secondary, but uh, the front seven does concern me. Uh, I know that was a big problem for Auburn last year. They couldn't stop the run. Uh, it, it gashed them in numerous games, but – uh, yeah, man, I, I think we beat Mississippi State. Um, I think um, Arkansas is going to be a tough one. Can K.J. Jefferson stay healthy? I don't know. That's kind of later in the year. He was banged up a lot last year. They really – he doesn't scare me throwing the ball down the field. Their secondary was trash last year. Uh, they got Rocket Sanders coming back. I know they love to run the football, but uh, K.J. – I'm just not a big – Big guy on KJ Jefferson. Like, I don't think he's that great. Um, and then New Mexico State win and Alabama in the Iron Bowl at Jordan Hare, man. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, two years ago with Brian Harson, we took him to four overtimes and they had Bryce Young, the number one pick in the draft. So, you literally, in my opinion, it's the greatest rivalry in college football. Uh, nothing else comes close to it. Uh, and it is, uh, something everybody should witness at least once in their life because uh, anybody who tries to say the game is the best, um, you know, when you get to watch uh, 45 to 20 every year and uh, absolute blowouts every year and you're not even from the same state, uh, you know, that's my argument on that. So yeah. uh, I, I, I couldn't care less about watching Ohio State and Michigan play. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 uh, it, it's going to be exciting. And the reason why we kind of bring this up, first of all, you, you we got two guys here that got new coaches for their program, uh, kind of seeing what's mm -hmm. all going to roll out. We're going to have more new coaches to get to later on, and we're gonna, definitely going to touch on a few more. We've got guys like Deion Sanders and Luke Fickle uh, and, and more. So we're going to definitely kind of get into yeah. some of those uh, and kind of touch on those those names and everything. But for tonight, uh, I think we'll kind of wrap it up with with that much. Um, but for everybody watching, listening, we thank you so much for all of your support. We have grown over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube now, guys. Uh, it's It's been a long Let's journey. Go. But uh, I just checked on that today. Over 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. That's that's big. It was hard for us to reach that 1,000 mark. And then ever since yeah. then, now just keep on climbing. Uh, keep on climbing up the ranks. And it's all thanks to you guys. If you haven't already helped out by hitting that like and subscribe button, do that now. You can hit the, <laughs> the notification bell so that way you know whenever we are live whenever we upload new stuff to the YouTubes. Uh, follow us on all social media. Make sure to help us out and share our stuff to keep on growing. We're trying to put out better and new content every day. Uh, and we thank you so much. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to give us a five-star review. That is another great way to help us out. Uh, we thank you all so much again for all of your support. And until next time.